Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. What is forgiveness? Why is it such a hard thing to do? What is forgiveness? Why is so such a hard, hard thing to do? And why is the devil so interested in hurting your feelings so that you can have unforgiveness? Why is it that uh, forgiveness is difficult and the hurt is so deeper? The roots of the hurt is totally deep. You can't uproot it. What has made many people give up on God, give up on their relationship or on their calling is because they were hurt. How can somebody else's words really hit you so bad such that you abandon what you are called to do? What are the tricks of the devil and the tactics of the enemy to quench the fire of God in the lives of people? What are things that breaks relationships, friendship, marriages, churches? around the world the devil is not powerful but the devil works through tricks and gimmicks that you and I need to know about because you can be a Christian for many years and still struggle with so many things because of unforgiveness and I can feel the praises of God speaking to the church today to say until your heart is restored and renewed and cleansed from the spirit of unforgiveness it will be very difficult for you and I to experience something new that God has to offer the world does not make any sense if we are full of hatred and bitterness I want to show you some of the scriptures and why this message is very significant why this message is very important because you know you can't pray powerfully and from a position of authority if in your life there is full love hatred or bitterness or unforgiveness and forgiveness is a weapon of the enemy when you pray full of bitterness your prayers are paralyzed by what is coming out of you that's why you can be praying for things year in year out you never see what you pray and God spoke to me as we began ministry to say whatever is going on in your life don't take it personal and God will use familiar people, familiar persons, and actually he will use uh, spiritual people, very powerful people, to try and say stuff to you so that the enemy can capitalize on those words and shatter your entire life. Some things that people speak to us, they don't even realize they said it, but the enemy capitalizes on it. That's why when you go to sleep, all you're going to remember is what was spoken to you. And the more you contemplate on what was spoken to you, the more bitter you become, the more you become so unhappy. Why? Because the enemy is trying to establish his altar in your life. 
demonic influences, sicknesses, diseases, capitalizes on the spirit of bitterness and, and the hatred and the, on the spirit of unforgiveness to trap you in your disease. That's why Jesus, the first words he would say to the people that he prayed for, for healing, would be, your sins are forgiven. Why? He did not lay hands on them. He just said the words, your sins are forgiven. Why? Because unforgiveness traps people. Your gift, your passion, your desire, your future may be trapped because of unforgiveness. Let me take you to some scriptures here that are very familiar. Matthew chapter 5 verse 23 to 25. Whenever I read this scripture, I reflect so much. And I want you to pay attention to this scripture because uh, everybody has brought something before God. You have offered your sacrifice of prayer before God. You have offered your, your money or your first fruits before God so that God can do something in your life and you haven't seen it come into fruition. Why? Let me tell you, God is still powerful. The God who healed many years ago is still healing today. The God who answers prayers is still answering prayers. But my question is, why wouldn't you, God, answer my prayer? And God will say, check the condition of your heart and of your spirit. Look at this scripture. It says, uh, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you think about that first for a second leave your gift there in front of the altar first go and be reconciled to them then come and offer your gift understand what Jesus was teaching here you got to understand the context of the scripture to which he is teaching in that passage understand where the temple was and where the people lived where the temple was was not in the vicinity of the residential area this is a desert place so Imagine somebody has walked miles and miles away to go and offer their sacrifice before the Lord. And in those days, the sacrifice was their first fruits. So I could imagine this guy has taken this big load to walk miles and miles away to where the temple is. That's the context of this scripture. You've got to see the emphasis and the impact and the, the point that Jesus is trying to drive and the importance of what of forgiveness and why forgiveness is such an important aspect of our lives. We need to abandon everything else to seek that forgiveness. Why? Because the enemy can capitalize on unforgiveness and block every path that you need to go. I'm going to show you in the scripture. We are dealing with a spiritual warfare. So now in this culture, they have to walk miles and miles and miles and miles away. And then they find the temple with their gifts or the first fruits if you want. And they are excited to give to the Lord. God, I've brought my all. I've 
brought the labor, the labor of my hands to you. I've come to offer you. And God says, uh, hey, my son or my daughter, there is somebody who is mad with you. Did you know that? If it was you and me, because we don't understand in our Western mindset the importance of asking forgiveness. Actually, we, we attribute people that ask for forgiveness to be weak. Let me tell you something. Don't be ever mistaken. A person who asks for forgiveness is not a weaker person. Forgiveness is for those who are strong and powerful. Those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Those who understand the power of the kingdom of God. And they are governed by the character and the nature of God. And when they are governed by the character and the nature of God, they are sound in their spirit and they do damage into the kingdom of darkness. Being powerful in as a Christian is not between you and me. You have to be powerful against the principalities that we fight that you don't see. Powerfulness is to do with the power and the tangible of the anointing of God over your life. It's useless to show, to show people that I'm strong in my Christian walk. Actually the Bible warns us to, not to think we are standing strong with each other. But look at this scripture here. Jesus is trying to drive home a very significant, important point here. And he says that there you, you, you remember somebody has something against you. Remember you went with a clear conscience to go and give that offering. So meaning you are excited. Meaning there is nothing you're thinking about. And then you go there and the, and, and the, father, the father tells you, listen, there is somebody who is mad about you. What has got that to do with my offering, Jesus? That's my first question. He is mad, who cares? But listen to this. Here is the context of this scripture. So this person now will have to abandon the gift. Imagine you worked for that offering. And let alone you had to work to go to where to sacrifice. And there they told you, hey, leave it here. Go back first. Go find that person. Now imagine this person leaving his sacrifice and going back and looking for this guy. Where is this guy? And then he finds him. And how embarrassing it is to just ask for forgiveness. Do you know why it is embarrassing to ask for forgiveness? Because the devil knows the day you ask for forgiveness, that's the day you are empowered by the kingdom of God. So this person now goes and uh, finds this person and asks for forgiveness. And then again, he has to walk back. Imagine how many trips he's going to make. Four trips. To just go and sacrifice. One, he goes and they tell him, no, go find that person. He goes back, he finds the person. And then he goes and he sacrifices. And then he has to go back home. That is crazy. But why? Take this point. The spirit in which you give to God is far more important than your gift. God is not interested in your gift. God is interested in the condition in which you give your gift to God. I can lie to you and tell you, bring your offering here at the altar. It will be shaken together and I'm going to pray for it, for you to have an overflow. But let me tell you, the condition of your heart will determine the fruitfulness of, the, of everything that you bring to God. 
That's why you can never preach the gospel when you are ahead. And why does the enemy want to hurt lots of pastors, lots of people, lots of Christians? He knows the day you are hurt in your spirit, that's the day you are contaminated by the spirit of hatred and unforgiveness. And you can never set free people that are, that are bound in unforgiveness if you yourself are bound in unforgiveness. I hope you wrote that, that, that point. The spirit in which you give to God is far more important than your gift. God does not bless your substance. He blesses the person who brings the substance. God does not multiply the money that you get to him. Let me put it very clear. He multiply the soul that gave that money. God doesn't need your money. After all, he gave it to you. So why can he give it to you and say, let, let me bless it again. He's blessing the person. So understand this. Some of us, our prayers have not been answered and we have sacrificed before God. It's because of the condition of our spirit. That's why we haven't seen the multiplication of what God wants to do. God hasn't used you as he wanted to use you because of the condition of your spirit. Your healing can take place when you begin to release the toxic of unforgiveness that comes to abound itself around us. Remember, this topic we are dealing with is a spiritual warfare. You can't pray when you are mad. You can't cry out to God when you are upset. That's why the devil makes sure any day, every day, every second, he does what he offends you so that you can't pray in truth and in spirit. I know this church is quiet now because we are used to be taught something very, very surface and we haven't seen a transformation take place over our lives. I've been crying out to God, God, I just don't want to be another Christian. I want you to consume my heart and let me tell you something forgiveness is not a one-time thing it's a process it's an everyday thing just because we have this conference doesn't mean everything is clear you're gonna determine and desire to walk in forgiveness every day every moment every hour to dismantle the tactics of the enemy that comes through offense In the book of Luke chapter 10 verse 25 and 35, I like this story and I don't know if you see what I'm going to see in here. I was so blown away when I began to read the scripture when I was writing that book, The Weapon of Forgiveness. So here is the scripture. Just then an expert in the law stood up to test him. Who Jesus saying teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus asked him how do you read it? And the man answered. Uh, he answered love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and with all your neighbor uh, and, and your neighbor as yourself he said you have answered correctly he told him now remember this guy is just reciting a law that he can't even live by because love 
It's very difficult to live by if you are full of unforgiveness. That's why if you have been hurt as a young kid, you never experienced true love from your father, even your children will never experience true love from you because it hasn't been ingrained in you. You can't give what is not in you. So now Jesus here, it's getting exciting. Look at this scripture. And then he says, uh, but wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and answered, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into the ends of the robbers. They striped him and beat him up and fled, leaving him half dead. Do you see that there is about, if you don't pay attention, it's like there is a three stories in within a story. Do you see that? But Jesus is going to bring it to the full circle and look what he's going to do because he knows this guy is saying, love your neighbor, I mean, love your Lord with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And Jesus is going to tell him here, you can never love the Lord with all your soul and all your mind if you can't love your neighbor with all your soul and all your mind. You can never claim you belong to Jesus if you can't love the way Jesus loves that's why people of God Christianity is not a religion look what Jesus is gonna do here he says a priest happened to be going down the road when he saw him he passed by on the other side what a priest shouldn't the priest be the first one to rescue this man but you're gonna have to understand the context here the priests were what? The Israelites. What? Is there any problem with the Israelites and the Samaritans? We're going to find out. Remember, we talked about Jonah. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. And we always say Jonah didn't just, he was running away from his calling. No, he hated some people. That's why he did not want to go and proclaim the gospel. The priest here, he sees this guy and he looked at him. He walks to the side. Yes, there is some more stuff to that because the priests were so scared to touch a dead body unless, you know, unless to be what? Defiled. So now look at here. He says he passed by on the other side. And in the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... On his journey came up to him and when he saw the man he had compassion when he saw the man he had compassion does compassion come just from the highs or from the depth of who you are meaning in this man in his heart it was filled with compassion not hatred he's gonna act based on what is the content of his heart and of his soul Look what he does. He went over to him and uh, bandaged his wounds and pouring on olive oil and wine. And then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out uh, two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I will reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. And then Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fall into the hands of the robber? 
the one who showed mercy to him he said then Jesus told him go and do the same it's very easy to claim I love it's very easy to claim any other stuff but it's very difficult to demonstrate love when it is needed so Jesus now this guy said I've done everything so now Jesus says okay you go and do what demonstrate the same now let's look at the context here why is the context of the scripture you know when you're reading the Bible and you read the context of it there's a sweetness of understanding of the Word of God that comes where you feel the glory of God upon your life look at the context here Jesus here is not teaching a story about kind action that's what we were taught in Nessary you want to show kindness here's the story about the Good Samaritan that's not the context of this scripture Jesus is not teaching about uh, you know kind action even though we see that but rather is teaching a kingdom principle which all kingdom people must have and walk in here on earth in order for us to under understand this account we need to look at the relationship background between the good Samaritan man who was left dead so who was a, a Samaritan that's the question we may we may have to ask here Samaritans were people descended from a mixture of Israelites and other nations that the Assyrians brought to Samaria as told by 2nd Kings chapter 17 you can read about that 2nd Kings chapter 17 go read so these were people were a mixture of Jewish and half whatever and they were brought into the Jewish people so already these people are out of the place now look at this these Samaritans practiced an offshoot of Judaism and thought that the temple in Jerusalem was not a legitimate place of worship so these guys they were telling the other Jewish people to say the temple in Jerusalem is not legitimate so there's already a battle here are you seeing the context here let's go further Jewish people and Samaritans did not think well of one another look up Matthew chapter 10 verse 5 or Luke chapter 10 verse 33 and John chapter 4 verse 9 in your spare time the Jews considered the Samaritans as false worshipers as well as an enemy would you win would you help a person you've already considered an enemy would you really speak to a person that you've already condemned to be a reprobate do you know what the word reprobate means beyond redemption I was considered to be a beyond redemption a reprobate in my community because of my background I'll tell you one day my testimony I come from a very crazy background where people thought I can never be served and I could not save God so they had already condemned me and they couldn't share the love of Jesus because they knew I was already a reprobate you see the enemy gives people opinions about you and they put you in this box that God can touch you but I do I, I believe in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that goes beyond the borders and reaches into the soul of a person considered a reprobate and brings some transformation in that person and when God touches a person I tell you you will see something you've never seen before 
So here now, uh, uh, the, Jew, the Jewish people considered the Samaritans a force, a force worshippers. So for such an enemy to show compassion, love, mercy, and forgiveness on an injured and badly beaten up Jew reveals the depth of the condition and the content of the Samaritan's heart. Jesus, what he was trying to point out here to bring in a Samaritan story was to tell the person what is in your heart will eventually come out. You can't fake with your heart. You can fool people, but you can't fool your heart. I know this is too tough, but just bear with me. It's no doubt that the Samaritan came from a background of the Jewish roots and understood the principles of God, of love. So now, here's a Samaritan. He's already an enemy and he shows and he demonstrates love towards this Jew who is badly beat up. What is the point Jesus was trying to make? But again, the other question is, uh, where are the priests and where are the Levites? The priests and the Levites, who were Jews as well, who should have been the right people to come to the, to, to the assistance of this man, but they passed on the other side because of the ritual of, no, of, of being scared of being unclean. Are you taking the picture there? But for the good Samaritan to took a risk, who took a risk? Put aside his differences with the Jewish people and demonstrated Yahweh's character and nature by lifting off his offense. Remember, this is a guy who has been offended with the Jews. They've got an offense with each other, but he has to put his offense to the side to serve life. Unforgiveness, it really comes in when you understand what's at stake. <laughs> 